Hello everyone, it's Mark Godeka here. Welcome to the NT Pod, the podcast all about the New Testament and Christian origins. It's episode 92, which is NT Pod Live. In the 11 years or so that I've done the NT Pod, I've never had a live episode, and the current coronavirus crisis with us all sitting at home made me think, do you know what, it would be a great idea to give this a go. So this is my first attempt at having an episode of this kind. We made it fairly free-ranging. People just called in or texted in their questions and their feedback, and I yabbered on a little bit. Uh, if you enjoy this episode, then I might do another one, uh, and perhaps next time we'll give it a tighter theme so that we can talk about a specific topic. But I hope that this experiment at least proves worthwhile repeating. Uh, And if not, um, your feedback is, of course, always welcome. Okay, I've got a question from G1, presumably guest guest number one. Um, Am I working on a book? And if so, what will it cover? Yes, I'm working on a book at the moment on John's Gospel. The title, the working title is Fourth Gospel, colon, The Case for John's Knowledge of the Synoptics. So anyone that's read my previous stuff or or has heard about my previous stuff will know that it's basically a similar kind of topic from from the ones I've done before. So Case Against Q came out in 2002, and that argued that Luke knows Matthew and Mark. Then Thomas and the Gospels came out 10 years later, and that argues that the Gospel of Thomas knows Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This one... Uh, I I kind of joked that it was a third part in a trilogy. I'm obviously not writing a trilogy, but it's sort of the third aspect of the thing, which is arguing that John knows Matthew, Mark and Luke. So John knows the synoptics. And my aim is to finish it in August. I, I was going to complete it while on a visiting fellowship in Cambridge this summer. But of course, with the coronavirus thing, that's been cancelled. So it depends on how well I can managed to discipline myself to do it along with everything else that I'll have to do back here but my hope is still to finish that book this summer which means it will come out next year so and the 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 title isn't official yet but I kind of like the idea of calling it fourth gospel because everybody talks about John as the fourth gospel but nobody actually practically thinks about it as a fourth gospel that for much of its history has been read as a book that presupposes the three synoptics. And I think that not only does John, it was John written to presuppose the three synoptics, but I think that's the way that many people have read it throughout the whole of history. And I think those two things can go together. So thank you for that question. And that's, uh, that's, the, that's, the, current, that's the current work. I have a question from Andrew Dool. Um, hi, Andrew. Uh, what doctoral research am I currently supervising or what exciting stuff is going on at Duke? Um, the, of course, the in the American system, the great thing is we don't necessarily have like individual students from the beginning that we work with. We, it's much more of a kind of a team approach. So in the New Testament track at Duke, we we work together with graduate students. But um, I, I, two of my graduate students, or I should say two of our graduate students, are very well known to many podcast listeners. Ian Mills and Laura Robinson, because they have their own podcast, the NT Review. And anyone that's listening to this that doesn't know about the NT Review, I strongly recommend it. It's a fantastic podcast. And I particularly recommend the April the 1st 
edition this year, which was off the beaten path for them because they talked about uh, that um, apologetics book. What's that apologetics book? A Case for Christ? Is that what it's called? Um, so they that was that was a, a great fun episode. So that's a couple of of our wonderful graduate students. They make uh, they make all our life at uh, the, those of us that work in the graduate program at Duke. Are, you know, really great place to be. Does anybody have any? Would anyone like to make a comment on audio? I'd much I'd love to hear other people's voices than just my own. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. Wonderful. Hi, my name is Alicia Costello, and I was wondering, so my husband likes to be a super troll, and um, he he likes, the thing he's trolled me on recently is that he thinks Matthew was written first and not Mark, mm -hmm. and he doesn't buy my rebuttal that Mark doesn't make sense if Matthew was written first. So I'd like to know if you have any um, any more comments about, you know, the implausibility of Matthew being first. And actually, I also would like to know um, how many, like, give me like a percentage that you might think of working scholars who are practicing now who actually think that Matthew is the first gospel. Um, hi, Alicia. Brilliant, brilliant question. Thank you very much for that. The, You're I would Please say, help me win you. this argument. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that the vast majority of New Testament scholars believe in Mark and priority. So question about Mark and priority and, and the plausibility of Matthew having been written first. I mean, when I began doing work on the synoptic problem in the 1990s, I would say that the major competitor for the two source theory, Mark and Priority and Q, was a version of Matthew and Priority, the Griesbach hypothesis. And part of that was just the sheer energy of William Farmer and and a group of other Griesbach scholars that just really strongly believed Matthew was the first gospel, Luke used Matthew and Mark used Matthew and Luke. And they were difficult allies because they were incredibly kind and generous to me when I was a young scholar and always gave me a hearing. Uh, and of course, I agreed with them on one key element in their in their whole way of thinking things, which is that Luke knows Matthew. But I so strongly disagree with them about Mark and priorities. So it was it was it was always a difficult relationship. I think the thing is, it is so much easier to make sense of Matthew's gospel if you see Matthew as a reading of Mark. I mean, I have a I have an article which is forthcoming, which talks about Matthew as a as a what I call an orthodox redaction of Mark, playing on Bartman's idea of orthodox corruption of scripture, where I think you can repeatedly see how Matthew finds different ways of dealing with oddities in Mark. Where there's a real strange thing in Mark, Matthew just repeatedly kind of sorts it out. And it's very difficult to see things going in the opposite direction. Besides which, I did write this little piece and the a couple of NT pod episodes on it about fatigue, where I argue that it makes a lot of sense to see Matthew as frequently changing the beginning of a pericope in Mark and then gradually drifting into its wording as you go along. So I am still strongly convinced that Mark was the first gospel. I don't know if that will help you, Alicia, to win your argument with your husband, uh, your partner, <laughs> but, um, but uh, there we go. 
I, I uh, now you're all. Uh, do you want to do do you, do you want to come back on that, Alicia, or, or is or is that good? Oh no, that was great. I definitely think if I explain to him the the fatigue thing, and I'll have to go back and listen to your podcast where you explain it further. But I definitely think that will help me at least gain a few more points in his eyes. <laughs> great, thank you. I mean, I, I I've no idea what the podcast is actually like because, like I said, if I actually went back and re-listened to podcasts I would just stop doing it because I would just be so infuriated with with hearing my voice but uh, <laughs> I find it difficult enough having to edit individual episodes um, but certainly not going back and listening to old ones great thank you um did I see CJ's hand up there yes you did hi CJ how are you well how are you yeah not too bad not too bad yeah so I was uh, I was curious um during your research right now on the present book project uh which case of, for familiarity are you finding more or most difficult to, to make? Matthew or uh, John's familiarity with Mark or Matthew or Luke? Um, it's, that's a great question. In the early stages of the project, it was definitely Matthew. Uh, I, there's, it, there are so many clear cases, I think, where Luke uh, is kind of Luke and redaction shows up in John. And you've also have kind of Luke and characters that show up in John, like Mary and Martha and, 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 you know, even names like Lazarus. And so that was always relatively straightforward. And, and it was so straightforward as well with Luke. You can often see where, I mean, one of the cases for any kind of, and, and whenever you're making in the case for one author being familiar with another, one of the things you have to do is you have to say, well, are there redactional fingerprints from the one in the other? So can we see Luke's fingerprints anywhere in John? And just to give you one really clear example, in the Last Supper in Luke 22, Satan enters into Judas Iscariot. Now, Satan is the way that Luke generally describes the devil. Uh, John doesn't like to use the term Satan. He usually uses the term the devil, something like that. And um, and so when you have Satan entering into Judas Iscariot in, in Luke and it shows up in exactly the same position in John, it's just little things like that that uh, make the case. Mark is really easy to make the case for. And in, in some in some senses perhaps it's the strongest case of all because I think structurally Mark and John are so similar but Matthew is a little harder because there are no bits of Matthew which where, where you as a, as a reader of Matthew think of, like, there's really really obvious things in Matthew where you think oh yeah well that shows up in John so you have to look a little deeper but once you have looked deeper I think there are so many places as well where Matthean fingerprints show up in John just to give you one example the story of the crown of thorns that you get in both Matthew and John the way that John rephrases the story of the crown of thorns being twisted and put onto Jesus's head is exactly as Matthew rephrases Mark at that place and it's one of those places you look at commentaries on Matthew commentators on Matthew have no trouble at all in saying Matthew has here redacted Mark characteristically he's just reworded things in the characteristic way he does they don't say he's got separate oral tradition and then there's John with exactly the same phrasing. So there are a bunch of cases of John's use of Matthew. I was also really helped by James Barker's book on John's use of Matthew. So when I was beginning work on John and the Synoptics, round about then, that must have been when James Barker's book came out and that was helpful as well. But that was that's the hardest one though, CJ. So it's, it's, it's a useful question, but I'm still convinced that John knows Matthew as well. And there's a bunch of cases like that crown of thorn ones, sorry, like that crowns, crown of thorns one.
How does that, uh, is that, is that, how does that help CJ? Any good? Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank you so much. I've always been I mean, curious how... about whether or not the, the directionality with John and Luke, whether Luke's familiar with John or John's familiar with Luke, but, um, the, this, the discussion I... of the use of the term Satan and, uh, entering into Judas being a common, uh, common name from Luke an uncommon name for John uh, definitely argues in favor of one direction over the other. At least in that right. Case. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it's a great question. And, and a good friend of mine, Barbara Shellard, uh, we were at graduate school together and we, we didn't call it graduate school in Oxford. We just called it, I don't know what we called it, just called it university. But, um, but we, but Barbara Shellard wrote a book called New Light on Luke. And she argued that Luke was effectively the fourth gospel, that Luke knew John as well as Matthew and Mark. So we used to argue long into the evenings about what the direction of dependence was. So I have thought about it very seriously, also because my friend Mark Matson wrote a Duke dissertation some years ago about time as Barbara Shellard, and he argued also that Luke knew John. I tell you, one of the main reasons that I think it doesn't work, it's the story of the anointing. When you get to the anointing in John chapter 12, you can see a Luke and detail coming in. And the Luke and detail that comes in is that Mary wipes Jesus's feet with her hair. Now, that's only in Luke's anointing story and John's. So it's Luke chapter 7, John chapter 12. But what's weird about it, it makes sense in Luke 7 because she has wet tears onto Jesus's feet and then wipes them with her hair. So the tears end up on her hair. That's fine. But in John, what's happened is she has anointed Jesus's feet with oil. Uh, and and this, this, this oil, this nard is extremely expensive. So when Mary wipes Jesus's feet with her hair in John 12, the ointment ends up in Mary's hair, which is the wrong place for it to be. So you can make sense quite often of John as introducing a detail from Luke that has actually made the story go slightly awry and i think that's much better makes much better sense in that direction from luke to john than the other way I, and I, I could add a bunch more similar examples there are a lot of them clustered in in, in john 11 and 12 um which, which make much better sense i think if john knows luke thank you now thanks for the question cj appreciate it do i see um a hand up um, michael strickland my, my friend uh, michael strickland Yes, my hand is up. Fantastic. Hello, how, how, how are you? How are you, Michael? Doing fine. Um, I'm a I long time not... listener, first time caller. <laughs> Great. Yes. My... <laughs> Everyone's first time callers this time, including me. Um, the... <laughs> so um, I, I should say to to uh, everybody else, I, I was asked a nice question by Andrew Dool about uh, graduate students I'm working with. So uh, CJ, who we've just talked to, is a former grad student uh, at Duke in the master's program, um, currently mm. finishing his doctorate at Rice. And Michael is uh, a former student from the University of Birmingham PhD program who wrote a fine PhD all <laughs> about the synoptic problem and how evangelicals in particular um, dealt with the synoptic problem. That's correct. And uh, my first question is, do we have to talk about the synoptic problem? <laughs> no, I actually haven't worked on the synoptic problem for years. I mean, the only reason yeah, I end up talking yeah. about it is with people always asking me questions about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. everyone still considers you one of the uh, authorities. 
so you're going to continue to get those questions. Although well, well, say, uh, I appreciate your scholarship branching out from that. Certainly that's been sure. clear over the past seven years. Yeah. Sure, thanks. Yeah, and, and also to be fair, I always feel whenever I go back to the synoptic problem that it's a little bit like coming home. So mm -hmm. if I'm ever going through, if I'm ever going through a difficult